What's up, everybody? It's the Sports Kid here today doing my Week 11 NFL predictions. And last week, I had a record of 8-6. and six. Uh, Second consecutive week, actually, that I've gone 8-6. and six. So I'm trying to break out of that couple games over 500 rut and get it up to double-digit wins if possible. And a lot of fun games, 14 to be exact, to look forward to in Week 11. But before we talk about those, we got to talk about some of the craziness that happened in Week 10. Let's get into it. Kicking it off with the number three game on my top three best games of Week 10, it's going to be the Broncos beating the Bills 24-22 on Monday Night Football. I predicted this game incorrectly. Okay, I think most of America did. Russell Wilson, he was 24 of 29. 193 yards and two touchdowns. He got the Broncos out to an early lead in this game. And when I saw it flash across the screen, the graphic that he is already up past 1,600 yards coming into the game, I was a little surprised. Like, even though the Broncos are having a pretty poor season heading into that game, he's actually doing all right. It's a real step up from last year, you have to admit. And then you look at his counterpart in Josh Allen, the Bills QB. It's it's the moral of every game now for the Bills. Even the ones they win, it is in spite of Josh Allen and his turnovers. He leads the league among QBs, or any individual, really, because no one would have more than a QB, in turnovers. There was two interceptions and a lost fumble from Josh Allen in this game. You can't afford to do that. They're looking at, what, 22 points on the board? They went for two one time, so maybe get that down to 21. They could have another touchdown. They could have won this game without having to put their defense out on the field late on, which choked. The Broncos, they had to go the distance of the field after the Bills' touchdown drive, and they did it with kind of ease. They were, until they hit midfield, there was some sacks, and the Broncos did have to take a heave, and they did get the DPI call they were looking for, guys turned out to be a smart move from Sean Payton there but still the Bills if they don't make mistakes they're a good team they have the QB they have James Cook they have Stefan Diggs Gabe Davis Dalton Kincaid is a fine young tight end they have the defense but they didn't win and the Broncos got the best of them and what did this lead to what is the result Ken Dorsey is out as the offensive coordinator and Joe Bro- uh, Joe Brady is coming in to take over and his first chance will be against my Jets on Sunday that should be fun now, moving along to the second best game of Week 10 on my list here. It's going to be the Browns beating the Ravens 33-31. to Another one I didn't get right, by the way. This game, the Ravens had in their hands, and they let it slip away. It reminds me of the Colts game. If you remember, they, early in the season, they lost to Gardner Minshew and the Colts in overtime. The Ravens had a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. It was 31-17. to All of a sudden... Lamar Jackson changes the course of this game. Okay, the the Browns, they get a touchdown, get it down a little bit closer. Then Greg Newsom, the pick six, runs it back for a touchdown. When you're up by seven points in the fourth quarter, Lamar, it's common sense that you don't do those 50-50 balls. You don't throw a ball that is a real shot at getting intercepted. Greg Newsom, he took advantage. And the extra point was missed, so... By some miracle, the Ravens were still winning at this point. They don't do anything with the football. And the Browns, they're good enough to go down the field and get a field goal. I know that they don't have Deshaun Watson at this point. 
moving forward, I know that they don't have Nick Chubb, but that offense is still capable because of pieces like the O-line. That is a very good O-line over there. And with this win, the Browns split the season series. They improved to 6-3. and three. Ravens are down at 7-3 and three now. They still have not experienced their bye week. And yeah, it was an important one for the Browns to remain in the hunt for the NFC North title, where all the teams have a winning record. And finally, the best game of Week 10 was the Texans beating the Bengals 30-27. to This was a whole lot of fun to watch the ending of on bonus coverage. I wish they got to it a little bit quicker. We didn't have to really see what was happening with the Steelers and Packers, uh, but it, it was a close game, I guess. But we knew the Steelers were going to pull that out. And, and the Texans and C.J. Stroud, my goodness, what can he not do? Second overall pick, oh, a number gives me... A bit of anxiety because you know Zach Wilson was that pick, what could have been. But this number two pick, he, he is doing everything right in his rookie year. He has the Texans at five and four after this win in a playoff spot. The tiebreaker over the Bengals, which is super important. He's just balling out. He is the second leader in NFL passing yards behind only Sam Howell. Interesting guy that he's behind. Last week he had 356 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. So on the touchdown-interception front, it's not anything crazy, but the key is he had fewer INTs than Joe Burrow. He made a mistake. Okay, it's only his second pick of the year, but he made less mistakes than Joe Burrow, and that's a huge reason of why they won this game. Both of those interceptions came in the fourth quarter, I believe, from Joe Burrow, and completely changed the complexion of this game. And Noah Brown, as if he wasn't doing enough with Tank Dell and Nico Collins, CJ Stroud, he added this Noah Brown guy. Seven catches, 172 yards last week. Two straight games with 150-plus receiving yards. He can make anybody look good. Because the Texans, let's be real, they don't have players. They do not have an elite receiving group. They don't have a good tight end room. The running back room is okay. They don't have much of a defense and much of an O-line. But he compensates for this. He he is the band-aid that fixes everybody else and makes this team look a, fun. And interesting and good. So, in my opinion, he is a sure bet for Offensive Rookie of the Year at this point, even if they don't make the playoffs. Just what he's done over the first half of the season, it's incredible. He should take a bow. And on that fun note, with Rookie QBs and Playoff Hunt well into swing, we're going to kick it off with Thursday Night Football. Week 11 starts now. The first game... We're remaining in that AFC North. We're just talking about the Bengals and the Browns. This one will feature the Bengals and the Ravens, and I'm going to take the Ravens to win it. The Ravens got the best of the Bengals in the first meeting this year, 27-24, and they are just the better football team if you look at position by position. They got Mark Andrews. They got Lamar, who's definitely in the MVP race. They have the defensive edge, and even if you don't want to believe that, you look at it, they have the win against the Bengals, which right now is huge, considering that they are still in first place for the AFC North. And another thing I want to look at is, this is the Ravens' third loss. What they did in their first two losses to the Colts and the Steelers, afterwards, they won both games, and they outscored their opponents by 52-19 to in those two games coming off a loss. So when the Ravens lose, they come out with a vengeance, with an intensity, and I think they're going to do that against Burrow tonight. Um, it's also, like I mentioned, the pivotal game for 
not just winning the AFC North, but also the wildcard standings. Going into last week, the entire AFC North was in a playoff spot. And still, all of them have winning records, so if the Bengals can prove me wrong and win, then they'd be up into a playoff spot. This is absolutely the most talented division in football. Every game for each individual team means so much, and it's a privilege when we get to see two of them square off against each other like tonight. And in this battle of the AFC North, I got the Ravens. Then, it's another battle of the AFC North. Kicking off our Sunday, it's the Steelers at the Browns. And I got a little bit of an underdog pick here. I'm going to take the Steelers. And it's because of the quarterback. Jets fans, I know you're out there. You might be scared to admit who you are because we suck. It's painful to watch, I know. But we know how important it is to have a QB. The Jets have everything on that football team, minus a few O-line pieces and a quarterback. The uh, Browns, after Deshaun Watson, is announced he is done for the year. They don't go to P.J. Walker, who has been the backup, playing in relief of Watson. No, they go to Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa for the most important game of the year. I think this is a horrible decision to put the rookie out there for for what is definitely the most important game of the year. It's two 6-3 teams vying for playoff position. And he, what did he do in his one start? 121 passing yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. It's a pretty terrible way to kick off your uh, career in the National Football League. And now you put him out here in this high-pressure game. I don't expect it to yield promising results. And as for the Steelers, I'm not claiming that they're a great team. I'm not claiming that they deserve to be in the playoffs. But they are, because they find ways to win. They were outgained in pretty much all of their games. They were outgained last week against the Packers in terms of yardage, but they find ways to win. And it always starts with the defense. I love Joey Porter Jr. there, Penn State guy, and TJ Watt, of course. He does it all. Sacks, interceptions. I know some people are saying that he is not at the top of the defensive player of the year list. Some people want to say Micah Parsons, even though he's not having a crazy year. For me, it's this guy, TJ Watt. Because those six wins would not come without him, and particularly looking at his impact. He had a couple turnovers forced in that first game against the Browns, which the Steelers did win. So I think that the Steelers are going to win this game and seal their head-to-head edge over the Browns, which is huge for playoff implications. Now we continue down the path of Sunday football. Second 1 o'clock game features the Raiders at the Dolphins. I am riding with Miami. It's true. When they play the big teams, when they play the Chiefs, and when they play the Eagles, when they play those huge teams, they don't win, or they haven't to this point. But one thing that they have done that the teams behind them in their division, the Bills and the Jets, have not, they take care of the easy teams. The Jets, they have losses to the Raiders, the Patriots. The Bills, they have losses to the Patriots, the Broncos now, the Jets, who are under 500. So the Dolphins, they don't mess with that. They take care of of these middle-of-the-pack to worst teams. I know that the Raiders are 2-0 in the Pierce era. It's the New York effect, what I like to call the New York effect. Who was it against, people? It was against the Jets and the Giants, the two lowest-scoring teams in the NFL. Of course, it's the two New York teams. We have that high honor of heaven. Two horrible, offensive, unexciting teams. So I think that the Raiders will finally get a reality check and Antonio Pierce will experience his first loss as a head coach against those Dolphins. After that, 
the uh, next game we're going to feature here is the Bears at the Lions. A lot of divisional matchups this week, already our third of the week here, and our fourth game of the week total. And it's no secret to anybody that the Lions are going to win this football game. I will admit, things got a little bit dicey for them against the Chargers last week. It was a shootout, 41-38, to super fun game. Uh, the defense of the Lions, they allowed five touchdowns, four passing touchdowns. But then you look at what the offense did. Laporta had a good game. Gibbs had a good game. But nobody had a better game than two guys in particular, Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown. They are the dream duo. They're what I like most about this team, and the reason that they had a resurgence in the second half of the season is because they got acquainted and they stayed healthy. And I have no reason to believe that that won't continue, especially against the Bears, who have the second-worst defense when it comes to passing yards allowed and passing touchdowns. They are one of two teams that have allowed 20-plus touchdowns on the year, so expect Amon Ra, who's coming off a 156-yard game, to thrive against this defense. They swept the uh, the Bears last year, did the Lions, and they put up 71 points against them in their two meetings. This is the first meeting between the two teams this season. I expect the Lions to leave off right where they did last year and pummel them with a lot of points. Next up on the slate is the Titans at the Jaguars. Another divisional matchup. Wow. And I'm going to have to take the Jaguars to win this game. Will Levis is a good story. He's a good kid, and I'm glad that Vrabel and the Titans realized that Tannehill's not the answer. I think they realized it a little bit too late to save this season because there's only so much you could ask out of your rookie QB. So I think that they are going to fall to the Jaguars here, like I mentioned before. And the Jaguars, they're in need of a win. They had won five in a row, and... Niners came in and said, we don't care about that at all. We don't care that you've won five in a row. We've lost three in a row. These are just numbers to the Niners. They beat him 38-3. to Brock Purdy went back and did his thing. So this is a must-win game for the Jaguars. I think it's, it's quite a winnable game when you look at what the Titans are doing. They're down to 3-6 and six on the fringes of having their playoff hopes being completely shattered this week, in my opinion. Uh, Lawrence, he's just got to go out there and do his thing. And what once was a clear-cut division for the Jaguars, it's not so much that anymore because the Colts are at 500. The Texans, we just talked about them and C.J. Stroud, how electric they are, the resurgence that they're on. So this is not a given division anymore for the Jaguars. So they got some work to do. I think they're going to get it done, though. After that, it is the Chargers, it is the Packers, and Chargers, they probably won't enjoy having to fly up to cold Wisconsin at this time of year. Uh, it's something the Packers fans are used to, the Packers players are used to. But I don't think even the most frigid of temperatures could save the Packers this week. Chargers are going to win. I must have said it five times already in my weekly prediction videos. The Chargers find ways to lose despite Justin Herbert having a great game. And he had his best game of the season, folks. It was four passing touchdowns. Of course, it's the season high. Over 300 passing yards against the Detroit Lions, who they are not the defenses of pass, by the way, the Lions. They are an okay to good defense led by Aiden Hutchinson. So Herbert goes out and do this, 
But what does the defense do? They have to allow 41 points. They have to shoot him in the foot, break his heart, break Marianne Doe's heart. I know that she's out there posting her TikToks. I do follow her, by the way. Very cool super fan. But they just can't seem to win the big games and the big moments. Thankfully for them, the schedule makers were kind to them this week, kind enough to play the struggling Packers and Jordan Love. Love is not the answer. They start out 2-1, and one, the Packers. People are so high on him, thinking that he's, I don't know, the second coming of Jesus and the, the next Aaron Rodgers. And now they're sitting here looking at 3-6, and six, like Packers fans look up and feel like they're in a coma. It happens so fast. The fall, I mean the rise and the fall. They're not doing anything this year. Um, I think it's going to take some real rebuilding to bring life back into this franchise after a player like Rodgers leaves. And like I said at the beginning, if Jordan Love was a real player, he would not have sat on a bench for two years and done nothing. He would have found another place to play. He did not. That's how I knew this was happening. And the Chargers and Justin Herbert should be should do enough to win. I don't think that Staley, I don't think that the defense could lose this game for the Chargers even if they try. That's how negatively I view the Packers. So give me the Chargers. Next up... Here is going to be the Cardinals at the Texans. Kyler Murray, fun guy to talk about. He came back from ACL surgery to win his first game. It was kind of a homecoming for him against the Falcons. You know, got to play at home in Glendale. This is a much different field game, though. This is not a struggling team. This is one of the hottest teams in the league, the Houston Texans. And in my mind, undoubtedly, I'm giving them the win. Last week, I told the people that listened to my podcast, if you felt like risking all the money in your savings account. You bet on the Cowboys to beat the Giants. Sad for Kyler Murray, but he's going to lose this game. If you have money, you want to spend it, Texans are going to win this game. I know it. His strategy just can't be stopped. He did have an interception last week, and that's a rarity for him, ladies and gentlemen. He has 15 touchdowns, 2 interceptions on the year. That's a ratio of plus 13, a ratio that uh, Zach Wilson could learn from. Love to see him getting some more touchdown passes, taking some risks. And the Texans, they're in a playoff spot. I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. Nobody expected this. I mean, my I myself, I'll be honest here, I had them with six wins going into the season, which I feel like was a fair analysis and prediction. But they've blown every prediction out of the water here. CJ Stroud is proving that he's the most valuable player out of this 2023 draft class and... I think he'll make easy work of the Cardinals, who really lack star players. After that, we get the abysmal outing, when you look for a competitive game, of the Cowboys at the Panthers. You know, I take it back. If you bet money on the Cowboys last week, you might want to run it back a second time, because this might be the blowout of the week. The Panthers, I feel bad for them, because... They have this limbo feeling of sucking, and most teams that suck say, oh, I'm going to have a high draft pick. Do I look for a QB? Or do I look for this? Do I need defense? Do I do this? But they don't have that luxury because they made this boneheaded decision. At the time, it might have looked better, but they got rid of DJ Moore, which really comes kind of their best player remaining. They sent Baker Mayfield out west, and they put all their chips on Bryce Young. On the number one draft pick. Hasn't worked out for him so far. I'm sure they're going to give him another chance next year. I think that Frank Reich is going to return and do some good things, but we will remain to see how that goes. 
for the time being, the Cowboys are still being competitive in that NFC East. Um, if they can get that second win over the Eagles, it will make things interesting to see if they could win the division. Interesting fact that gets talked about a lot when I watch some sports shows. There's not been a repeat winner in the NFC East in 20-something years, I believe. And since the Eagles won it last year, logic would dictate that the Cowboys is going to probably be their year, their year if they can do it. And they got to take care of these easy games, and I have no doubt that they're going to beat the Carolina Panthers. Final game now of the 1 o'clock hour. Another divisional matchup, the Giants at the Commanders. I'm not going to stop complaining about the Commanders until they prove me wrong. They traded away their season. They really did. They're sitting here at 4-6. and six. Should probably be 5-5. Five and five. I don't know how they lost to the Giants. They've been in a lot of close games with the Eagles, too. Sam Howe leads the NFL in passing yards. When you have a man that leads the NFL in passing yards, when you have a pass rush tandem that is Chase Young and Montez Sweat, you don't send them out for draft picks. What they did is they traded their season and their playoff hopes for draft picks. Last week, they were in a competitive game with the Seahawks. What happened? They lost on a field goal as time expired. That is the kind of deficit that can be completely revolved if you have playmakers like Chase Young and Montez Sweat. I don't know why the front office did that. It still hurts me to see. With that being said, the Giants are in full tank mode. Unlike the Panthers, who I just talked about, the Giants do own the rights to their own draft pick in the first round. A lot of speculation that they'll look for Drake May or Caleb Williams, a replacement for Daniel Jones. Remains to be seen what they do. But it's clear that they're going to... It's going to be in their best interest to lose these games. Dable's a smart guy. He knew how to make Josh Allen a winning quarterback and limit the turnovers. God knows that other people cannot do that talent. So he knows that the Giants, what their agenda is. I'm sure that the Commanders will win and keep their slim playoff chances alive. Commanders at this second are two games back of the Vikings for that final playoff spot. Now we're going to move along into the only 4:05 game of the week. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the San Francisco 49ers. I'm taking the Niners. Brock Purdy looks like he looks like a refreshed man. You know, Aaron Rodgers would say he's refreshed after a stay in a nice, cozy cave. Brock Purdy, what he needed was a bye week. And so did the rest of the team. Debo got healthy. CMC got healthier. And Purdy is back, baby. 19 for 26. 296 big passing yards and three passing touchdowns. Unfortunately, McCaffrey did not find the end zone for the first time in 18 weeks and 18 games. It was a record and stands as the record right now for most weeks with a touchdown, which is 17. Amazing record. But they won't care too much because they got the win. It's what matters in this day and age. The Bucks are 4-5. and five. Baker Mayfield did manage to defeat the youngster Will Levis last week. They're still just half a game back in that uncompetitive. and it, Well, I shouldn't say uncompetitive because it is very competitive. But we'll say, for lack of a better word, Poor NFC South. It is. And when you have a 500 team in first place. But because of that, the Bucks have a fighting chance to make the playoffs yet again. The last year, the Bucks made it with an 8-9 record. So who knows? It could be another 8-9 team representing there. So they definitely have something to fight for. But I just think that 49ers are too well built of a team to lose this game. 
Now we're going to shift into the 425 game. This is the first of two. And it's the Jets. It's the Bills. Battle of New York for the second time this season. First time around, Aaron Rodgers goes down on his fourth snap. Mekhi Becton let the guy through. Got him down. Aaron Rodgers had to torn Achilles. He's working his way back, people. Could debut this season, but I'm telling you, it's only if we really have a shot at the playoffs because we cannot jeopardize next season and have that go awry, too. We can't. With that said, what did the Jets do last week? They returned to under 500. An abysmal performance at the Raiders. It is getting ridiculous, people. To watch this team, they can't score a touchdown. What is the goal in football? To get six points and bank on your kicker making the seventh with a touchdown. It is called a touchdown for a reason. You have a touchdown celebration for a reason because it is the highest form of scoring and the highest goal in football. The Jets can't do it. They haven't done it in ten quarters. They couldn't do it against the Raiders because of penalties. Zach Wilson got a touchdown. Nope, he's up out of bounds. Oh, Brees Hall got a touchdown. Nope, he's on a holding penalty. The Jets go, and they have this beautiful first drive. Nope, it's an intentional grounding because the offensive line can't do their job. Later in the game, we had a defensive penalty for once in Bryce Huff that allowed the Raiders to get three points before halftime, which would loom large. If they did not have those three points, then they only would have been up by, I believe, two points or no, one point, when the Jets were driving at the end, they would have kicked a game-winning field goal of Zerline, and you know he's not missing a game-winning field goal. You know it. The Jets had zero issues driving and creating chances, and they always shot themselves in the foot with penalties and laid on with a Zach Wilson turnover and interception. <sighs> Just very annoying. I don't blame Hackett. I think he had a beautiful array of play calls. He incorporated Tyler Conklin, who's the most involved he'd been in a game. Xavier Gibson was targeted a couple times. Unfortunately, one of those was wiped away with a penalty. Garrett Wilson, continuing to thrive, could have had an even better game. There's a couple passes that he dropped. Um, I appreciate that he used Dalvin Cook. He had a couple good runs. Brees Hall has to run the ball more. This was the worst rushing defense in the league. That's one thing. He only had, I believe... 12 or 13 carries, it's got to be closer to 18 against the worst rushing team, uh, rushing defense in the league. It's my only complaint with him. And, yeah, Garrett Wilson did hurt his elbow in this game. We saw him wincing on the sideline. He should be okay. He's participating in practice in a limited role. As for the Bills, we talked about it already. They had that horrible loss to the Broncos, a game that they really needed to win to get back into the swing of the playoffs. Now they only have a 33% chance. The Jets have, I think, like something like a 22% chance. So both teams are favored to miss at this point. It is a must-win game for both teams. It really is. I should mention that the Bills also have some ridiculous penalties, like the DPI and too many men on the field when the Broncos missed the first game-winning kick, and it took a second one after the penalty. They moved it five yards closer, and Will Lutz delivered then. So still, these teams, they, they find odd ways to lose when they really should be winning. Because really, I think that the talent on these teams, even with the Jets without Aaron Rodgers, I think both of these teams with the defense the Jets have could be 6-3. and three. They really could be, but they find dumb ways to lose. And if I have to pick a winner here, it's going to be the Buffalo Bills. And why that is, is because I think that this new offensive coordinator is going to come in and tell Josh Allen, 
I don't care if you have 150 passing guards. Because that's all you need to beat the Jets. You don't need to do something special offensively to beat the Jets because the Jets do nothing offensively. We don't get touchdowns. It's a struggle to get field goals most games. And we're just not a smart football team. And for that reason, or those two reasons, the Bills are going to win this game. Moving on to the second 425 game, it's going to be the Seahawks at the Rams. I feel terrible for the Rams because they had the opportunity to be a story like the Colts, like the Texans, like the Vikings, a team to resurge, but then the injury bug bit them. Stafford injured, but he should play this week. Nakua is injured, not looking like he's going to play. Kyron Williams is still in the long-term IR, and... But those three guys gone, you don't have much of an offense anymore. I don't know what else to say. And I have to take the Seahawks to win. Now, I'm not saying that the Seahawks are a great team. I think they're very similar to where they were last year as that fringe wildcard team, despite their 6-3 and three record looking pretty nice for the time being, on the, lo- on the verge of 7-3 here. They lost to the Ravens in a blowout. They barely beat the Commanders when they don't have their uh, pass rush anymore. It's They're doing the bare minimum. They barely beat the Browns. They needed a crazy late turnover to do that when P.J. Walker was playing. It's the bare minimum here, folks, and they're getting lucky with strength of schedule. So until they start start throwing some hard teams, I know the 49ers are coming up quick, then they're going to start to lose, but for the time being, give me the Seahawks over the Rams. And... We're going to move along here to Sunday Night Football. It's the Vikings at the Broncos. Broncos are a funny team. Started out 1-5. They've won three in a row. First year, like, it's against the Packers, though. Whatever. By a couple points. Then they kill the Chiefs. Then they beat the Bills. And all of a sudden, they're 4-5. and five. They are one game ahead of a playoff spot. I know, it's crazy. Um, and they got gift-wrapped a win by the Bills... First with the DPI, um, then with the too many men on the field, and they give Will Lutz another chance at the field goal. Should have missed it, and the Bills should have won, but the Bills are like, too nice. You have another chance, Will Lutz, as many as you need. He did miss some extra points in this game, too, by the way, which almost cost the Broncos, but they got lucky. I don't think they're going to get lucky against the Vikings. The Vikings are plainly too hot. Justin Jefferson, his long-anticipated return, is near... I did see a funny set on Instagram, though. The the Vikings this year are 1-4 when Justin Jefferson plays. Since he left, they're 5-0. and And, of course, some of that has to do with the astronaut himself, Mr. Joshua Dobbs. 268 passing yards, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown last week. And I, I would be a little concerned if I was the Vikings, because first you have Cam Akers go out at the running back position. Then you have... Madison with a concussion. I don't think he's going to play this week personally. But Josh Dobbs is your running back. He is your everything. And he doesn't do like little uh, tush-push Eagles runs like Jalen Hurts does. Uh, He does manly runs to escape from pressure. He's not afraid to take contact. We saw it again last week against the Saints. He's just a crazy player. Man, I wish the Jets had snagged him before the Vikings did. And then maybe we'd be talking about the Jets going on a winning streak. But that's not the world we live in. Hawkinson, in limited action, had 11 catches, 134 yards, and a touchdown. That's crazy. When you're on a snap count, it really it, it's mind-boggling, actually, to have, let's see, 134. That's 
more than half, or actually exactly half, of the 268 passing yards that the team had. So great for him. They did get Miles Gaskin to aid those running back absences that I was referring to earlier. And yeah, I think that the Vikings will take care of business on Sunday Night Football. There's no Kirk Cousins, by the way. No primetime Kerr, so Joshua Dobbs should continue the Vikings winning streak on primetime. Now we have the matchup that we've all been waiting for since last February. The Eagles at the Chiefs on a Monday Night Football. Wow. This is what dreams are made of. I mean, there is probably no game bigger in the regular season than this one right here. The rematch of the Super Bowl. And I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles to win on the road. Let me explain. First of all, Eagles have the better record, obviously. Coming in with the only uh, team to be 8-1. and one. Oh, The best record in the league. Chiefs, they're 7-2. and two. They're still quite a good football team, without a doubt. But the offense has been lacking. We saw it in Germany that Mahomes is struggling a little bit. Kelsey, he just went to Argentina. I don't know if you could focus on dating the most popular woman in the world and also playing a big football game at the same time. He's got a lot going on. And the Chiefs, it still hurts me. They're cocky. They never picked up the big wide receiver. They think that just because they snuck away and got away with it last year that they're going to be okay. They're not. If you look at the Super Bowl stats, Jalen Hurts killed Mahomes in the Super Bowl. He had over 100 more passing yards than Mahomes. He had three rushing touchdowns. Obviously, Mahomes did not have any. Um, The one thing that he did wrong was turn the ball over. That was a fumble recovered by Nick Bolton, a Mizzou guy. Ran it back, and that was the difference in the game. That was the defensive touchdown that the Eagles were missing, and that's why the Chiefs got the best of them, 38-35. to But now you flash forward here, looking at where the teams are, I think that the Eagles are going to come out here and win. I don't even know if it'll be a field goal game. I think the Eagles could win by maybe even 10 points. They have the D-line. They have the O-line. They have DeAndre Swift. A.J. Brown is a top three wide receiver yet again, like he was last season. Jalen Hurts is doing it all. And the one thing we've seen this year that we didn't see last year is the tush push. Because I personally think that the Chiefs defense still has some holes. I really think it does. That We saw that against the Broncos. We saw that in the second half against the Dolphins when they can't close out games. And if you're in short-yarded situations, the Eagles are not converting. They're going to do the tush push and... No one stopped it yet. I have no reason to believe that the Chiefs are going to start stopping it now. And yeah, if the Eagles play mistake-free football, for sure, that is another win for them. And they would be well on their way to a number one seed if they can get this win. It is without a doubt going to be a fun week of football. And I'm glad that the NFL put this on Monday Night Football. Because it is the perfect end to an amazing week of football. Week 11, big week for a lot of teams to keep playoff hopes alive, to solidify um, winning records, big divisional games, ton of divisional games here. And it is going to be incredible to sit back and experience. I sincerely thank each and every one of you for listening. I am the Sports Kid. Catch you next time.